Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. This morning uh, we continue our series called Follow Jesus and this morning's uh, kind of where we're headed this morning is uh, Jesus, the miracle worker. And uh, I, I just, I want to pray one more time just before we jump in and invite Jesus, the miracle worker, to move in a powerful way this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you're here. We don't need to invite you again, but we, we thank you that you are in our midst. We thank you that you are the miracle worker We thank you that you do wonderful things, that you move in power, and that you you desire to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we give you this time. Amen. John Wimber was a pastor, a teacher, an author. And he was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. Some of you may be familiar with the Vineyard Movement. And uh, many of the songs that were sung in the, the 80s and 90s, and even some of the songs are still sung today, were written by John Wimber. Uh, just YouTube his name, and, and some of the songs will come up, and you'll, you'll be like, oh yeah, I totally know that song. Uh, In 1963, John gave his life to Jesus after attending a a Quaker Bible study. And uh, he had just left his career as a professional musician. He he was a musician uh, with the Righteous Brothers. And uh, one day shortly after he had given his life to Jesus, he had been studying the teachings of Jesus. He had been studying the Gospels. And him and his wife, Carol, went to a church service. And after the church service, uh, John runs up to the pastor and uh, he says, so when do we get to do the stuff? And the pastor looks at him and, and says, the, the stuff? And John says, yeah, the stuff. The pastor's like, what, what's the stuff? And John's like, you know, like healing the sick, casting out the demons, raising the dead. And this pastor looked at him rather confused and, and he said, well, you know, we actually, we, uh, we don't do the stuff. We believe that the stuff happened in biblical times, but we don't do the stuff today. And John kind of looked at him and was like, I gave up drugs for this? <laughs> the last couple weeks we have been uh, talking about following Jesus, following our rabbi, uh, being students of Jesus, and not just doing, or, or sorry, not just learning about Jesus, not just learning about what his, all about his great teachings, which were absolutely awesome, but actually doing what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus came to show us what it means to uh, what it means to to means and looks like to walk as his disciples. So, 
if you're going to follow after a rabbi or a teacher, you're not just going to learn about him, but you're going to follow in his footsteps and do the things that he did. And Jesus was our perfect model. He was our perfect teacher. And so being a disciple of Jesus that many of us, if not all of us in this room, would claim to be, is a lot more than just showing up here on a Sunday morning and listening to a sermon, singing some songs, going to a Bible study on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and a worship night on Saturday. But it's actually about going out into the world and and doing the things that Jesus did. Living like Jesus showed us to do. And so we want to be a We want to be a church that not only studies our master, but follows in his footsteps. In John 14, 12, Jesus Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. So Jesus himself assumes that when he left this earth to go to sit at the right hand of the Father, that those who would call themselves disciples of Jesus would continue on the works that he would do and do them on a greater scale. Over the last 2,000 years, there have probably been billions of Christians who have continued on the works that Jesus has done. And so we, we see it happening on a, on a larger scale. I want to ask you a question. Before we, before we get to the main portion of Scripture that I want to dive into today, I want to ask you the question, what is the, or what was or is, the essential teaching of Jesus? So just think about that for two seconds. Some of you might think that it is love. Some of you might think it was forgiveness. However, those are, those are great topics, and definitely, Jesus definitely taught on love and demonstrated love. Jesus definitely taught on forgiveness and, and demonstrated forgiveness. But the primary teaching of Jesus was neither of those. The primary teaching of Jesus was the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? And he not only taught about what the kingdom of God is like, then he would demonstrate what the kingdom of God was like. Within the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 92 verses referring to, where Jesus is referring to or teaching on the kingdom of God, or, or Matthew would say the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of God like? And then he would tell a parable. Or the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. So there's an, Jesus had an incredible amount of teaching, and it was the primary teaching of Jesus, the kingdom of God. And so if the kingdom of God is the primary teaching of Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, well, what is the kingdom of God? Many have defined it like this. The kingdom of God is the rule of God in this present age. The rule of God in this present age, which has invaded the kingdom rule of Satan, 
this present evil age. And it's in this uh, arena or in this sphere where signs and wonders occur. The rule of God was interrupted by the fall of man, which resulted in a state of rule by Satan and his armies. Jesus was sent to recover the fallen status, um, and so essentially, Jesus was sent to right a wrong, to lay it out, hopefully, in, in maybe a bit simpler terms. In Genesis chapter 1, we see God creates the world. And uh, in Genesis chapter 2, God has created man and woman, and they are in the garden, and they are in perfect communion with their heavenly Father. They're in perfect communion with God. And then we get to Genesis chapter 3, just shortly later, and uh, we see that man has rebelled against God. And because of this rebellion, this uh, sin, we now have sickness, disease, we have brokenness, we have pain and sorrow and suffering, and we've all experienced the effects of this fallen, sinful world. And uh, if you read the Old Testament, you will uh, realize very quickly that the, the effects of this fallen world are extremely difficult and painful. Over and over and over and over, God's people rebel against him, and there's cycles of brokenness over and over and over. And then Jesus comes. Jesus comes and lives a life as a man, and he goes to the cross to break the power of sin and death. And after he dies, three days later, we're about to celebrate all of this and remember it, he raises from the dead. And he conquers death. He conquers pain and sorrow and suffering and sickness and disease. And now we are living in the day from the cross and resurrection. Uh, we are living in the time between uh, that and the restoration of all things. Many, many have called it the, the time of the now but not yet, where the kingdom of God is breaking in, but one day at the restoration of all things, when Jesus returns, we will see the kingdom of God coming in fullness. And so, in our present time, we see that, there, like I said, there is pain, there is sorrow, there is grieving, sadness, and a whole host of dis difficult things. So, the primary teaching of Jesus is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God breaking into this world. In Mark 1, 14 and 15, Jesus declares, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the, king, the, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. 
The kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. John Wimber would call this Jesus' thesis statement. It is his, pro- it is his primary uh, teaching. The kingdom of God is at hand. And not only did Jesus teach uh, on the kingdom of God, but he also demonstrated the kingdom of God. Jesus' ministry was a proclamation of the gospel, of the good news, of the kingdom of God, and he also demonstrated it through miraculous works, through healing, through casting out demons. It was a proclamation and a demonstration, and so he used words to illuminate it, and he used signs and wonders to demonstrate it, that the kingdom of God was breaking in. And so immediately after he has his thesis statement, he calls his first disciples. And after he calls his first disciples, he goes into the synagogue. And when he goes into the synagogue, he he begins to proclaim the kingdom is at hand. And all of a sudden, there's a man in there and he is demonically oppressed. And he begins to start yelling out at Jesus. And Jesus, with the authority and power that he has in his kingdom, releases that man from the bondage that he is in. He has power and authority over darkness. In Luke, uh, Luke 4, 17 and 19, I think we see... Um, the perfect picture of what the kingdom of God or the, and the gospel of the kingdom of God is, uh, is like. And so we see Jesus declaring from, the, from chapter 61 of Isaiah, he says this, the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was brought to Jesus, and Jesus begins to declare, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I believe that if we are going to be the church that Jesus desires us to be, we will not only proclaim the good news, but we will also demonstrate the good news. We will not only proclaim, but we will demonstrate and I also believe that we, if we are going to be the church that Jesus desires us to be, we will start believing that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And we will be walking in the power and authority that He has given to us. And to introduce the kingdom of God here on earth. 1 John 3.8, John says this about what Jesus' mandate was. And he said, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Who's interested in destroying the works of the devil? I know I am. I've endured enough pain and sorrow and hardship. I'm interested in destroying the works of the devil. We just spent the last month talking about justice 
uh, justice is a major part of destroying the works of the devil, of setting captives free, giving freedom to those who are oppressed, giving sight to the blind. And, and I want to make a point very clear. Yes, sight to the blind who are spiritually blind, but also sight to those who are physically blind. This isn't just a, a spiritual thing or a figurative thing. This is a, a living reality that we are to release the king. There's no blindness in the kingdom of God. God did not create people to be blind. And so when we release the kingdom of God on earth, part of it is to see people be healed. Setting wrong things right. A part of destroying the works of the devil is releasing the kingdom of God over sickness and disease. Many of you know that this past week, my father-in-law passed away. He had a six-month battle with pancreatic cancer. And every time that we went and visited him, either in his house or in the hospital or in the hospice, we laid hands on him and we declared healing over his body. Because we believe that the kingdom of God can break in to our present reality, this present evil age, and healing can come in the name of Jesus. And we believe that we are carriers of that power and authority over sickness and disease. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Like I said earlier, though, we don't always see it. We live in this mysterious time between the resurrection and the restoration of all things where sometimes we don't see it. And we don't completely know why. At least I don't know why. Secondly, I want to point out, before we jump into our our passage of Scripture here this morning, that we are in a war. So so we we are called to be followers of Jesus, bringing his kingdom. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are the carriers of his kingdom. So that's our first reality. A second reality is that we are in a war. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of our God are against each other. There's this present evil age that we live in where Satan and his forces are in power and the kingdom of God is breaking in to our current reality. We are in a war. Paul, Paul makes it very clear that in Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our, our battle, our war, is not against any political leader. Our battle and war is not against any human individual. We are in a battle against 
the unseen realm, the, the demonic forces and powers and principalities in the heavenly places. We also know that Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and life abundantly. And so there's this war going on. Jesus, is, Jesus came to bring life and life abundantly, and the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there's this battle going on. One of the things, though, that I believe uh, needs to be corrected in the church as a whole, the Western church, is that in this battle, we as believers actually play offense. We are not on the defense. We are, we are not living in a reality where we are holding on for hope until Christ's return. Just hold on a little longer until Christ's return. No, that is not the reality. The reality is, is that we have been given power and authority to be on the offense. We are carrying the ball down the field and we will get a touchdown. We will get a touchdown. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so this is where I want to land this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Luke 9, 1 through 6, and I'll be reading from the ESV translation. And he called the twelve together and, he gave, and gave them power and authority over all demons, and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. In whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave the town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them, and they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I love what I love how Matthew says it in his gospel. He said, uh, "And he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction." He gave them power. This this power is the ability and strength and the might to complete a task. We just, we just spent uh, the fall talking, uh, preaching through the book of Acts, and we know that from Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that this power comes from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. This word uh, authority is the right to use the power of God. So we have the power, we've been given the power, and we've been given the right to use that power to complete the task. In the Greek, uh, this, this word is exousia. And uh, I love how it explains it. It actually, it says that we have been given authority in a sphere or jurisdiction. So in uh, crime movies or crime TV shows, often there'll be a, a crime that's committed and you've got 
You've got a police department from this jurisdiction, and you've got a police department from this jurisdiction. And they show up, and they start fighting over the crime scene. This is my jurisdiction. Get out of here. And then they're, they're fighting back and forth. And in the kingdom of God, Jesus has given his followers jurisdiction over all sickness and disease and the demonically oppressed, and he has given us a power, the power and authority to set wrong things right. I love that. I can walk, wherever I go, I have the jurisdiction over over sickness and disease. I know that's weird for us to think sometime. But Jesus has given us power and authority. He, Jesus taught his disciples to, to release the kingdom. He, he gave power and authority to his disciples and he said, release the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus is the king of kings. He is our divine leader. He not only has the authority, but he gives us, his followers, power and authority to continue on the work of destroying the devil and the powers of darkness and the mandate to bring his kingdom to earth. Like I said earlier about the story of uh, John Wimber, he's given us authority to do the stuff. We get to do the stuff. We get to join in Jesus in operating in power and authority, the power and authority that comes only from him. This, last, uh, this past fall in sub- September, I was asked to, to uh, speak for a young adult's retreat. And at the retreat, they said, hey, Randall, could you preach on Jesus as the counselor? And so... I was excited to, to preach on that. And uh, as I was preparing, I was like, you know, I, I, this is great. I'm excited for this. But I don't want to just preach about Jesus as the counselor. I want people to experience Jesus as the counselor. Like, how about we encounter a living God? And so at the end of my, my time preaching, I just invited all the leaders up and I said, hey, uh, we're going to have a time where we can uh, pray for one another. Um, the le- if, you, if you need prayer for healing, if you need prayer uh, for uh, maybe, you, maybe you're struggling mentally, we want to pray for you. Maybe uh, you need physical healing. Would, would you come forward and we would love to pray for you? So we, we began this time of ministering and this guy comes up to me and uh, we, begin to, we begin to chat and, and he seemed like he wanted to, to talk a lot more than, than to, to pray. <laughs> and so we went to the back of the room and uh, we, we, we talked for a while. And then all of a sudden, at one point, one of the leaders is like running and waving his hands at me, trying to get my attention. I'm like, uh, okay, what's going on here? He's like, Randall, 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 you got to come, you got to come. I was like, okay, uh, give me like two minutes to, to finish up here. And so I finish up chatting with this guy, and I come over, there's a group, about four or five people, 
Uh, a couple of them are crying, uh, and, and I'm like, what's, what's going on? And this young lady starts talking to me and sharing with me what happened. She said, Randall, for the last 10 years, um, 10 years ago I was in a car accident. And for the last 10 years I've been dealing with upper back pain and I can't get rid of it. I've seen doctors, I've seen chiropractors, I've done treatment after treatment after treatment. And I just continue to struggle with this back pain. And she said, as, as the leaders were praying over me, I could feel muscles in my back shifting. And she said, Randall, I don't have any back pain right now. I, I feel like I've been completely healed and I can't wait to go see my doctor and tell him what has happened. The leaders, as they prayed over that young lady, were releasing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. They were using their God-given authority, power and authority, to release the kingdom of God over that young lady's back. Again, I know there are... there. Many times when we pray for healing, when we pray for things uh, that, that God's kingdom would be released and for some reason we don't see it. And I, I, want to, I want to say I know. I know and understand that reality and that tension. But that, does not, that, that, that doesn't allow us to stop praying for God's kingdom to be released. Moving on into, into verse 2 of Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends his disciples out with a, two, uh, with, with a mandate, a twofold mandate. And first of all, they are to proclaim the message of the kingdom of God, that Jesus is the king of kings, that Jesus has dominion over all things, that Jesus will destroy the power of sin and darkness, and he has, and we are longing for that that whole reality to be fulfilled, that Jesus will one day bring restoration to everything, that they will, that they will need to preach the repentance, that the, the people of this world need to return to God, that when we follow Jesus, we will have full share in the kingdom of God. Secondly, they are to de demonstrate the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. There, there must be a proclamation and a demonstration. John Wimber called it the show-and-tell gospel, that we must show them the gospel and tell them about the gospel. It's not one or the other. Everyone gets to do the stuff. Everyone gets to do the stuff. And move, as we move on into... To verse 3 and 4 and 5, Jesus sends them out and says, don't take anything with you. And he's, he's, he's essentially saying there's an urgency in releasing the kingdom of God. There's an urgency. Don't waste your time packing up all your things that you think you might need. And I would say to us, don't waste your time on the things of this world that are meaningless. Spending 60, 70, 80 hours a week 
working to buy things of this world that you think will make you happy, but will only stress you out. There's an urgency in the heart of God that his kingdom would be released. And finally, as the disciples depart and they go village to village to village to village, they are proclaiming and they are healing everywhere. The power and authority that Jesus gives is sufficient for the task. It is sufficient for the task. Just a couple verses later in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72. And the 72 return after they've gone on their missions trip. They come back and they are ecstatic. Why are they ecstatic? Because... They say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. There is a proclamation of the gospel and there is a demonstration of the gospel to go out and to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and we too must follow in the footsteps of our rabbi. We must too follow in the footsteps of our rabbi. What am I saying? We need to pray and release the kingdom of God. We need to pray for healing over people. It's not an option. As you came in today, you got a little paper. Let's see if I can find that here. You got a paper. If you didn't get a paper, can you put your hand up and Blaine, our wonderful usher, will bring you one. And I want to spend a couple moments, at this point I'll invite the band up. And I want to take, so I want to take a few moments and just begin by quieting your heart, quieting your mind, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And I want to take a few moments to listen to what Jesus might be saying to us this morning. Ask the Lord to speak to you and show you the faces and places where he is calling you to join in releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth in miraculous ways. Maybe that is visiting a loved one in the hospital and praying over them. Maybe that is um, in the mornings when you wake up asking the Lord, where do you want me to go today and release your kingdom? But I want you to, 
I want you to ask for faces and places. How will you partner with God in releasing his kingdom on earth? How will you walk in the power and authority that you've been given? And where is God asking you to step out and take a risk? So we'll just spend the next couple moments in quiet prayer. This morning, I believe that there's a a proclamation of the kingdom of God breaking in, and I believe that God wants to move in this place with a demonstration of his kingdom as well. That That his kingdom is breaking in to this place. And uh, I'll call the prayer team forward at this time. And if you are in need of healing, we're going to have a time to pray for healing, to uh, release the kingdom of God over you. Or you could turn to someone beside you and ask them to pray for you. That is fully acceptable as well. Sometimes when I'm preparing, uh, I believe that sometimes when I'm praying, I get certain, um, just a sense of, of certain things that God might be wanting to do 
on a Sunday morning when his people gather together. And this week while I was preparing, I, I felt like there might be someone in here who is tormented in their sleep. That while you're sleeping, you're being tormented by thoughts. And if, if that's you, I'm not asking you to, to raise your hand or anything. But I, I believe that God wants to break in this morning and free you from that oppression. And so if that's you, I, w- I would invite you as our prayer teams come forward, and they're not here yet, but as they come forward, um, if that's you, uh, please share it with the, the person you're praying with and they will, they will pray for you. Uh, if you need freedom from sin and bondage, there's probably some other steps that you're going to need to take, but we want to begin by praying over you that the that there there would be a, a, a breaking of chains that is holding you and and if you need a fresh filling of the spirit to walk in the power and authority that Jesus has given you we want to pray over you that you would be filled to overflowing and so this morning as we sing our final song we're going to have uh, just a time for ministry, for a time of praying together. So why don't we stand together, fix our gaze upon Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are in this place. We thank you that you desire for your kingdom to be released. We call upon your name this morning and we ask that you would move in power and might. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.